Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. Hi there. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. And you've got me. You've got me again, a solo episode. I've received feedback from quite a few people that are wanting me to do more solo episodes. And this one you'll be glad to know is not me in the middle of a crisis. It's one that's more reflective on just life generally. And one of the things that I've been reflecting on has been Blossom, my mobile office, my happy mobile, and how my journey with her has kind of reflected a fairly poignant journey in other areas of my life. And I'll share my thoughts. You know, I'm not going to overthink what the lessons are for this podcast or anything, anything special. I'm just going to trust that it'll be like the podcasts that I have when I'm chatting with other women that the the pearls of wisdom just drop when they need to drop. So I'm going to trust that that will happen. I must admit, I do find solo episodes more difficult than when I'm chatting with others, because when I'm chatting with others, it sort of flows and, and we, we engage when it's just me. It's sort of my thoughts and there's not the other person there to direct me. So anyway, We'll see how we go. I have made a few notes and so you might hear me rustling my paper as we go through. So for those of you who don't know, I have a mobile office that I affectionately call Blossom. And my mobile office is a huge, huge bus. It's a 1980s school bus that had been converted into a mobile home by somebody else. And then I purchased her and I've since converted her. I've used her up and I've converted her into my mobile office. And I'll just share with you why I've done that. I, gosh, maybe it was about six years ago. It was definitely before COVID. It was a couple of years before COVID, I'm sure. And working predominantly in the corporate space, coaching clients, and I go into the client's premises and do the coaching there. And there was one particular client that said, do I have my own office that she could come to? She didn't want to do her coaching on site. And I said, no, I didn't. Then she was asking about whether we could meet in a, a cafe. And you know what? Some coaching's okay for that. I prefer to do it in a more private setting. And I didn't at that stage. So we made some other arrangements, but it got me thinking about, wouldn't it be cool 
if I had a little mobile van, I, I pictured in my mind at this stage a combi van, and if I could go and pick people up, We'd drive down to the lake in Canberra. Now, Canberra's not very big. For those of you that don't know Canberra, it's probably half an hour from one side, or maybe it's a little bit more than that now, but it's probably half an hour from one side to the other. So it's not huge. So I could pick people up. We could pop down to the lake. And the lake here is absolutely beautiful and stunning and gorgeous. We could pop down to the lake, have the coaching session, be private. Then I could drop them back to their work. So I got my manifesting magic happening and I started looking at combi vans and thinking about, you know, getting a combi. They're, they're VW Volkswagen vans and they're from the 70s and a lot of them have been done up and they're just kind of hippie, super chic, cool. So I was looking at those, but they were like a squillion bucks and then you'd still have to, to do it up. And I was thinking when I was looking at them going, hmm, I could pick one person up and we could go and do our coaching session. But how cool would it be if I could do mini workshops and if I had a bigger van and had maybe six people that I could pick up and we could go off and do like group coaching and little mini workshops and events. So I got super excited about that. And really started to look to see what was around. I'm just getting my manifesting journal out. So for those of you that are listening to me on the podcast, you won't see this, but I'm getting out my vision book. For those of you that are watch on YouTube, you'll see my vision book. And I started to, I've got a picture here of what I was actually wanting. So a van that had a space that we could sit in. We could all sit around and chat. Be so cool if I could, you know, even show or have a little TV that I could show some slides and stuff on that, of course, it was going to be zhuzhed up and be absolutely beautiful experience for people, for women to come and just hang out. And there's some pictures here of having events like a picnic set up outside the bus. And so I was just so excited by this. And we started to look in Canberra for, you know, I was looking on social media, I was looking everywhere, bus websites. There was a place here in Canberra that sold old buses and John, my husband, is really handy. So I thought he could get involved in the process and do it up for me. I could do the the pretty pink stuff and he could do all the whatever needs to be done. So looking, 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 looking everywhere and then, probably some months into the process, not hugely long, there was a bus that came up here in Canberra and it was an old school bus and we went and had a look at it and it was super cute but it had no fit out in it. So it was the shell of the bus that had been stripped and the person decided that they that it was all too hard for them but it was a blank canvas and it was probably a little bit expensive because we would then have to do our fit out in it but we were really really seriously considering that it was kind of a magic school bus kind of looking thing and then when I I remember looking on Facebook when we were driving home from checking out that bus and there was one that just popped up and it looked similar to the bus that we had just saw seen but it was already fitted out it had a leather 
lounge suite in it that converted into a bed. It had a little seating area. It had a queen-size bed, a fridge, a kitchen, a telly, a microwave, a shower and a toilet, and it looked really cool that I could run the little workshops and I could also pick people up for the coaching. Oh, my God, I have never done this before in my life, but do you know what I did? I rang the woman and she said, it's a quick sale. I'm, I need to sell it. Life circumstances have changed and, you know, if you make me an offer, I'm not going to mess around with anything. I just need it, want it to be sold. So I made a deposit and so I'd seen the photos of it. We lived in Canberra. She was in Queensland. So she was, it's probably a 14 hour drive from Canberra. And I bought the bus on Facebook. I checked with John and it was kind of like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. So then a week later, we flew up to Queensland to pick the bus up. And it was just a comedy of absolute friggin' errors that she picked us up from the airport. And then she was just this, I don't know, there was something weird going on. She took us to the bus. She hadn't. So we then, then we had to drive another hour hour and a half so with her with this woman we'd never met before we drove and took us to the bus that she had had stored at a place where you store caravans and buses when you know grey nomads store them there when they're not traveling in them so we went and we drove there and when we drove up to the bus it was parked with all these other big school like full, we call them action buses here in Canberra, but full length passenger buses. And it was there and I'm looking for this smaller bus. And she said, no, no, that's it. I just, when we were in the car, John got out and he was kind of, he was pretty excited, but I just sat in the car and I went, oh my God, what have I done oh my god oh my fucking god what have I done it was big it was bigger than the bus that I had seen in Canberra and it's funny because I had to for this particular bus she said you're going to need to get a truck license to drive it you can't drive it on a normal license and that kind of surprised me but the I was just like oh well, it just looks like in my mind, it was going to, was the same size as the bus that I'd seen here in Canberra, which was a mini, mini kind of half size bus. So I just had it in my mind that they were the same size. So I went and got my, I did the knowledge test for my truck license. And for those of you in Australia, you have to get your L's, your learner license, and you have to have your learner license for a period of time. Then you have to go and have a test and be assessed. And because it was a truck license, and for those of you here, it's a medium rigid. And I had to do the test as though I would drive any medium rigid truck. So that's not just about the the road rules. It's about driving a 10 ton um, vehicle. And also because it's a truck license, I had to demonstrate and learn 
how to do all the trucky tie down loading knots and everything. So anyway, I kind of, I got my, my knowledge test for my learners. So when John and I went to Queensland <laughs> to get Blossom, the plan was that we would get her and then we would drive back to Canberra, stopping in to see my brother at Newcastle. So that was halfway. So it was going to be maybe about a 14 hour drive. So we were going to break it up, stay overnight and we we're super excited and to be able to do this. So when we got to the bloody bus, I just sat in the car and I just couldn't move. <laughs> I just couldn't move. I'm just going, Oh my God, I have paid the woman. <laughs> sight unseen and we're going to pick this bus up it is probably maybe three or four meters longer than I was expecting it to be and like maybe twice as big as I was expecting it to be and John was walking all around the bus he was doing all the check and everything hadn't been driven for two years so it was in this parking lot for two years And when he went to start it, the battery didn't work. Like the batteries were flat and surely this woman would have checked that. So we had to go off and buy new batteries for it. And bus batteries are not like normal car batteries. We had to get two bus batteries that were like a screen box. And then we had to do something. The wipers weren't working and it was raining. And it was just all this like comedy of bloody errors. So what we thought we would be able to get on the road that afternoon because we were up there like nine o'clock in the morning and then all this frigging around with the bus and doing all things and me just sitting there in silence and in complete shock we only made it to a caravan park just 10 minutes down the road and we stayed there and it was dark so we left the next morning I could not drive it the 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 plan was that I was going to drive it but it was so big and so scary John had to do all the driving and we didn't know where we were. So trying to use the GPS and I just sat in the passenger seat in silence. I just like, oh, my freaking God, I don't even know where we're going to store this bus. I don't even know what we're going to do. So all this naivety was kind of coming to to play and we're driving. So we left Queensland. We're heading back to where we were living and she was slow. She was slow, slow, slow. And we, we kind of anticipated that, but she was super, super chuggy slow. And we were going up, you know, even just gentle incline. She was struggling. And I sat, I sat in the passenger seat. We couldn't talk to each other because it was really loud in the bus. And John was, John's got his truck license. So he was concentrating. And I was sitting in the passenger seat and I had my Garmin watch on and I was just sitting there and I think all, all through the day, we just sat there for hours. We got out and had, you know, toilet breaks and things like that. So I would have maybe walked, I don't know, a hundred steps, not much. But when we got there, my watch said that I had done 20,000 steps because sitting there and it was so bouncy, my watch thought that I was actually walking and stuff. So it was just this bouncy, noisy, it, lots of kind of like, oh my goodness. And it was starting to get dark. It was taking us so long. We're expecting to be at my brother's place before dark and we're probably about an hour out and it was getting dark. 
And we're just going up this incline like chuk 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 chuk. And she stopped. And then John was like, I need to turn off. This is on the main highway for those of you Brisbane to Sydney. And he said, I need to pull off the road. So he pulled down this dirt lane. <laughs> this is in the night time. And because it's such a big bus, I couldn't turn it around. And he had to do this like squillion point turn with me frozen and in shock trying to give him instructions so we could go back to this little village. We went back to this little village. Oh, and the NRMA, when you buy a vehicle, the, it's one of our in car insurance places here in, um, in Australia. We were coming back that day and I thought, oh shit, I haven't got the NRMA on it. What happens if it breaks down? So at lunchtime this day, I did ring up NRMA and I said, look, can you just get us the, the roadside coverage? Got a vehicle. So we did that at lunchtime. That, I, I, six hours later, Blossom broke down. She broke down. And we turned around into this little village. We called the NRMA and they said, you're supposed to be covered for 48 hours before we actually cover you. But because you're gold members and you've been members with us for so long, uh, we'll, we'll cover you. And so anyway, they said, but we can't do anything tonight. We'll come out the next day and we'll check out what's wrong. Came out and they said, we're going to have to tow you <laughs> to the nearest town. And that's that was Taree, which was probably an hour away. Anyway, big truck guy came and towed the bus and us to um, Taree. And they said, we're going to need to keep it here and check it out. And we're on our way back to Canberra. So we got a hire car. We went back to Canberra. I'm still paralyzed with like, oh my God, what have we done? And we spent like, it's not like she was cheap either. So anyway, she spent a week in Taree. They fixed her. It was dirty fuel because this woman hadn't driven for so long. Somehow plastic bag had got into the fuel and all disintegrated. So they kind of cleared her up. And when we, you know, and the NRMA were amazing. We got a, Hire car as part of the coverage. They, they didn't pay for the, we had, we had to pay for her getting fixed, but the towing was all covered. Did that. So then we hire car back to Canberra. Then the next weekend we hired back to get her. We drove back to Canberra. John had to drive through Sydney. So luckily he's a great driver. I was still absolutely frozen and scared and just was like, holy, holy hell. What am I even thinking? What are we going to do? We, I guess we can always resell it, blah, blah, blah. But I thought, no, I'm going to actually persevere with this. I'm going to get my bus, my, my bus, my truck license. I've got my learners and I'm going to learn how to drive her. And John and I would go out where we used to teach the kids to drive, drive when they were younger was out to, for those of you that know Canberra, the Murrum Bateman showground. And I, John would drive out there, then I would get in her and I would drive around the showground, which had, you know, dirt roads and tracks that I could just get the feel of her. And I was nervous. Like I know how to drive, but driving a 10 ton bus that, you know, compared to a zippy little car, so different. So we just went out weekend after weekend, just driving around the showgrounds and, you know, I just had all of this, oh, man, I just had so much self-doubt and worry and fear because I felt intimidated. I felt intimidated. And but I, I knew that 
I could make it work. I knew that I could make it work. So I persevered through what I needed to do. And, and I guess just sharing with you because I had to get the license. So I had to go for my test. And so it probably took me a, a year maybe of practice. I don't know. I can't remember now. It was a lot of months anyway for me to just build up that courage. And, you know, we did the showground. Then I'd drive a little bit on the road and then I would always had John with me. And then when I had to do my test, oh, my God, I froze again because the driving bit was I actually felt really confident driving. And the instructor, he said it's quite different with women driving to men that he said that I did a really, really good job. And I was one of the only ones that had passed part of a test. He said a lot of the blokes, I have to keep repeating this with them. But the bit where I struggled was that I had to do the um, the tying down a load and I had to do the truckies hitches and I had to do different, I think it was a dog hitch or some bloody thing. And I, my go-to is when I'm stressed is I cry and I was just, and he couldn't give me any assistance or any advice. So he had this load where I had to actually tie it down and it just wasn't working. Oh God, I can feel it now. I can feel it coming back for me now. And it just wasn't working. And I, just had all these, I was trying to hold these tears in and I was just like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to do it because of these fucking knots. And anyway, he just looked at me and he said, how about we have a little break there? How about we actually just go and do, he said, I know that you can do it. He said, but how about we just have a little break, a little breather, and then we'll come back and we'll start afresh. And I just looked at him, he said, oh, thank you so much. And we we did that. We had a little break. We walked around the truck. He was really kind, really motivating. And I went back and he said, you can do it. He said, I know you can do it. So I went back and I only just did it. Bloody hell. So I passed. I got my truck license. And he said, oh, I know what he said. He said, "I, I was, because it was a bus, I had to get tested as though I was picking up passengers. And he said, my parking was the best that he had ever seen. So that was cool. Anyway, so I had Blossom, got Blossom. And was still intimidated with her by her and that thought of intimidation I was driving her the other day to one of the life strategy success express express strategy sessions that I was doing with a girlfriend she lives a couple of hours away so we decided to meet halfway and I was driving Blossom and I felt really really confident like really super just oh my gosh loving loving it and I'm just, I was reflecting on my journey, which I've just garbly um, shared with you. And that word intimidation just kept coming up. I was intimidated by Blossom. She was big. I was scared. I was frozen. They're kind of my go-tos when, when I'm not feeling confident. <laughs> but what happened is I had this flashback to a memory of when I was probably about 25 and I was learning to be a, a trainer in the, the taxation office where I worked at the time. And I was getting accredited in the Myers-Briggs type indicator. So that's a, a personality preference indicator. And I was 25. I was, I'm tall. I'm five foot nine. And at that stage, I was probably at one of my heavier <laughs> weights. Like, I'm just trying to think there's been ups and downs and ups and downs, but I probably was at one of my bigger, bigger weights and sizes then. And I remember 
getting going through this accreditation where we're talking about all the different personality types, the strengths and just getting to know them. And the instructor who was a middle age, no, he was older. He wasn't middle aged. He was in my eyes, he was a hundred, but I don't know, maybe 60 ish, something big bloke. And he said, Catherine, you're a big woman. You're, you're a big woman and you intimidate people. He said, so what you need to learn to do is to make yourself small, like to physically make yourself small, but also don't take up space when you're going into meeting rooms. If you're training, I would suggest that you try and sit down so you don't take up this space and intimidate people. And I am just like, oh, my goodness, that would be the last thing that I would ever, ever wanting to want to do is to intimidate people. So I need to do what this big old instructor said to me. I need to make myself small. And it's interesting, the impact. And I wouldn't say that it's just his words, but if you think about or what I've thought about is after my mum died when I was 12, I certainly did not feel like I intimidated people, but I felt frozen. I felt scared. I felt unsure. So they're all the patterns that run when I met Blossom and, and, and they're patterns that run for me. Um, scared, unsure, um, fear, self doubt, but that frozen bit. But on the flip side of that, I'm also very capable, very competent. Just get on with life because that's all I had to learn to do as a 12 year old. I had to learn how to get on with life. I could just fall in a heap and just crumble. And part of me on the inside did that. But on the outside, I kind of became very, very capable and very competent. So the patterns, if you're thinking about after mum passed away, there was these two parts of me running. Well, there's probably a million parts of me running, but capable, competent, just get on. It's, you know, and and be relatively successful. Um, but on the inside, that fear, self-doubt and that frozen and being scared. So when I was at, at this training program, those words were really impressionable for me. So I'm layering those on to already a whole lot of things that I've been dealing with around self-doubt. And for this person who was in a, I guess, a position of authority telling me that I had to make myself smaller because I intimidated people, that was not really helpful for me. <laughs> I, I Very shortly after that, I travelled overseas. I travelled overseas on my own for six months and I felt a real shift in my personality happen then. I felt, oh, my gosh, I can't be who I really want to be because that's not okay. Now, it wouldn't have just been these guys' words, but I reckon that they were very impressionable on me at a period when I was kind of just starting to learn about self-development and that was a quite a big, you know, a big setback, I would say. And I've, you know, this theme running through my life is I have to keep myself small, even though there's part of me that knows that that's, crazy and silly and and all those things there's been this theme of I've kind of needed to keep myself small and it's been you know it's held me back and I guess it's been this form of self-sabotage and reflecting back on Blossom 
I felt intimidated by her, by her size and her manoeuvrability. So there was some kind of consciously, it probably doesn't even make sense, but there was some links at this subconscious that she was another version of holding me back because I felt until kind of more recently intimidated by her. She's not easy. She's not easy to drive around. She's not the easy van that I thought I was going to be able to just drive down to the lake and park at the edge of the lake. I've got to put forethought into where I go because if I get trapped somewhere and I can't turn around like John and I did on the way back from Brisbane, that still scares me. I'm not at that level where I can get myself out of those tricky situations. So she was another version of, you know, I was kind of holding myself back with what I wanted to do with Blossom. And, you know, when I was driving to that that session the other day with my girlfriend, I was just reflecting on where I've been holding myself back. I, I really hadn't put the pieces consciously together until, you know, just fairly, fairly recently. And I'm not sure if you relate to, to any of this. I, and, you know, it's probably all a little bit garbly as well once I get talking but do you have your version of what's holding you back mine has been themes of having to keep myself small and it's even interesting as I talk this through you know that whole diet merry-go-round that you know that the some of my eating habits have not been very healthy because there's been this feeling that I've had to keep myself smaller than what I am Now, what I've learned is that that's kind of crazy bullshit stuff, but it certainly played a big part in who I am and my life. So I've had some aha moments more more recently uh, around those. And I heard I was attending a, a webinar the other day and the presenter was talking about self confidence and presenting in um, communication and confidence in your communication. And a couple of the things that she said was that she's always been authentic, but she likened it to the frosted glass that you have often in a, a bathroom that you can't quite see through. She likened her authenticity to like that frosted glass, that it was always that she was always who she was, but there was this filter that she applied to her authenticity. And that really related to me. Like I'm super, I'm, I'm authentic. I'm, I'm absolutely authentic, but I've also applied a very carefully curated <laughs> filter about which parts that I will let people see and which parts I will keep very private and hidden. Now I think that there's nothing wrong with that because we don't want to you know, I see a lot of people who say, you know, I'm being my authentic self and I don't give a shit about what people think about it. If they don't like who I am, then stiff shit. Yes, but it's also about we need to modify and adjust depending on the situations that we're in. But what I resonated with was this filter of not letting people see the real me. And I think the patterns, I know, not think, I know the patterns for me have been, it's not okay for me to be the real me, even though I'm authentic. So it's like those two parts of me. Remember, 
capable, competent, get on with things. So yes, I, I do show up. I push through a lot of those fears, but there's this feeling internally about, oh, that's not okay to be who I am. So I think those bits are actually lesser and lesser and lesser. And it's almost like the pieces of the puzzle uh, around that for me are just all falling into place. And when this woman said it the other day about that filter, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. And it's not something new that I've heard, but I needed to hear it at that time. So my process for the aha moments are about just, I guess, what's it been for me? It was, it started from this reflection was when I was driving Blossom the other day and I felt really confident driving her. And then I went, oh, I haven't always. And then I was remembering back on the process and going, oh, my God, I have not felt confident. I have been really holding myself back because I found her intimidating. And then that word intimidating just transported me to this event where this instructor told me that I was intimidating I intimidated people that crushed my that crushed me because that would be god that would if I ever knew that I was intimidating somebody um so it was not okay to be me is the message that I took from that it's not okay to be me and I have to keep myself small and you know I've done a lot of work on myself and, and know that that's not a case but but it's also still been running in the background around that, that that's not okay to be me. I have to keep myself small. And that's why I work a lot with women about helping them to really, truly be who they want to be. You hear my messaging lots about embrace who you are and be the person that you want to be, not the people that the person that other people expect you to be. And it can be hard because we often don't know what the things are that are holding us back. For me, for many years, it was just this feeling it's not okay to be me. I didn't go, oh, yeah, that's because that bloke said, oh, yeah, that's because of all these other things. It was just this feeling of, oh, it's not okay. So if you're struggling with that, I would love to love to help you because I do have some tools, techniques that can help you. It's often hard to do it on our own. It's hard. Like I'm talking through this podcast and I did make some notes. I haven't really referred to those notes, sorry, but it's hard when you're doing it on your own. When I do a podcast, when I'm with somebody else, it's easy. It just flows and I'm able to draw things out of them that we wouldn't have planned or scripted. So if you're going through, you know, if you've just got that little feeling of, oh, something's just holding me back and I'm not exactly sure what it is and you'd love another set of eyes on it, just reach out. We can have a chat around that. So anyway, hopefully, hopefully some little pearls of wisdom have dropped for you and that this this wasn't too garbly once I get in and start talking it kind of takes a life of its own oh and actually one thing I did want to share sorry I'm going to go back to this when I was reflecting on am I intimidating somebody I've had that said to me before and you know what it's often said to me by men which is interesting in itself they say Catherine you intimidate people and what I've learned now to say to them is do I intimidate people or are they intimidated by me? 
for me, they are two quite different energies. If I'm intimidating people, that's on me. I will take ownership of that and I will change my behaviours. If people are intimidated by me, that's on them. That's about what they're feeling, what's going on for them. And often people reflect things that in us that either are a mirror of, well, they're a mirror of us. So when we see people who we admire and we respect, it's reflecting something within us that we have, because otherwise we wouldn't be able to see it in them. But if people are projecting negativity that we're intimidating them, I would actually question, are they intimidated and why are they intimidated? Is it their own self-doubt and fear? Is it that I'm saying some things that they, maybe they don't want to hear? Or is it that I'm doing some things that they would love to do and they're, they're kind of not, they're not brave enough to do? So anyway, that was just a thought and that's come through a lot. So um, with my confidence level, I felt intimidated by Blossom. She wasn't intimidating me. I felt intimidated because of my own skills and abilities and what it was bringing up for me. I drive her quite well, reasonably comfortably now. I still need John to back her up the driveway. So that just that last parting thought. Hugs and great big happiness and have a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.